Welcome back to another episode of the Max Turn Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to put our uh, If We Were GMs hats on and throw out some trades and kind of assess them. So we've we very purposefully not told each other our trades and we're going to get kind of live reaction to them on this recording. So we're going to re- react in real time to what we're hearing. Uh, so if you if you enjoy this episode, we'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have a trade that you think makes sense along what we're kind of talking about, feel free to also let us know. You can uh, tweet us at MaxTermPod on Twitter, at AFP Analytics as well, or either of our personal accounts you can find on the app at AFP Analytics Twitter. We're also on threads as well. All those uh, handles can be found at the at AFP Analytics handle as well. If you uh, hear any ads or anything associated with this podcast, they're not necessarily products, companies that James or I are endorsing. And these trades are really are things we're thinking about. They're not necessarily anything we're hearing might have uh, used a little bit of like public available reporting to come up with them, but they're not they're not to be taken as like inside information. Like we're not reporting that this is going to happen. We're thinking that these are trades that based on how teams are built and what needs they have would make a lot of sense. That was basically the criteria that we laid out is these players don't have to necessarily be rumored to be moved. They have to be realistic people to be moved so we're not trading a Connor McDavid and the return has to be fair but otherwise we're kind of able to do what we think makes sense if we were the GM of kind of these teams so with that we're going to get into it I'm going to throw out my first start with a very boring trade that really really should happen this is going to be between the Toronto Maple Leafs and Chicago Blackhawks it's going to be basically an identical trade to what they did a couple years ago with Peter Mrazek. Toronto should send Matt Murray to Chicago. Along with Matt Murray, they're going to send a protected first-round pick from Chicago. They're going to receive a second-round pick, and there's going to be some conditions attached to that. It's probably going to be the middle of three that Chicago currently owns. Chicago has their own Vancouver's and LA, so chances are it'll be Vancouver's when all is said and done, but we're going to put some level of conditions so it's not like a early first round pick. So basically they're sending Matt Murray to and moving back in the 2024 draft for Chicago to take on that cap hit. Thoughts on that trade? Should it happen? Is it fair? Is it realistic? I would say yeah. Um Toronto could probably use that space, and Chicago has no reason to not do that deal. They should be trying to acquire as many future assets as possible, and if that means taking on a bad contract for one year, that's perfectly fine. So that one's kind of the boring one. Again, there's even precedent for that trade, and that's kind of what I built this one off of. Mrazek was a little bit lower of a cap hit, but had another, but had more term. Murray's a little higher of a draft of a cap hit, has a little less term, so I think everything kind of balances out there. I'm gonna move into another simpler one. I have some much more involved ones. Let's let's go for another simpler one. 
I don't even know where I stand on this trade, but I think value-wise it makes sense and time-wise it makes sense for both teams. So Boston and Winnipeg are going to get together for this one. Boston's going to acquire Mark Shifley, who is probably that first-line center that they need. And they're going to send Pavel Zaka and a third-round pick in 2025 to the Winnipeg Jets. So I think Zaka fits maybe the Jets' timeline a little bit better, and Shifley fits Boston's a little bit better. I think he's a little bit better of a player. But thoughts, is it fair? Would it happen? Who says no? So if I'm involved with this deal, I think if I'm Winnipeg, I'm going to say no. Um, I Taking a step back from that, personally, I don't necessarily disagree with the viewpoint on the players uh, as far as they aren't that different necessarily. Um, but the fact that Shifley scores as much as he does, it's going to, I think, get them a bigger deal and the fact that he's a center. Um, so I, I, I feel like there would need to be more value than Pavel Zaka. Decent player, I, I don't want to diminish that, but I, I think if I'm Winnipeg, I'd probably say no. I'd be looking for a little bit better of a deal and trying to sell Mark Shifley as a number one center. Um, as far as Boston and Winnipeg, it's a bit natural to toss this in there. One of the trades I came up with was Boston and Winnipeg, and it involved Mark Shifley. So for this deal, Winnipeg is trading Mark Shifley. They're going to retain 50%, so that brings them down to just over $3 million. Winnipeg's also going to send Nito Niederreiter to Boston. So it's Shifley at 50% retained and Niederreiter. And Winnipeg's going to be getting back Jeremy Swayman and Matt Grizzly. So I'm assuming that you have kind of a subsequent or an in-tandem move from Winnipeg as well. So let, let me hear that one before I give the full reaction because it sounds a little bit like they're going to kind of retool a little bit on the fly. So I'm expecting this means Hellbuck's gone and maybe a defenseman's gone um, in the same trade or maybe a different trade. That's that's kind of my gut reaction if they're, if they're uh, acquiring Swayman and uh, Grizzly here. Yeah, so I, I, I want to be clear and make sure this is on the record. We, we have talked about this before, but if I'm Winnipeg, I'm just completely tearing it down. I'm, that's what I would do, but I, I try to build these trades as far as what I think they would be looking to do. Um, so yes, I do have Hellebuck being shipped out. and I went a little outside the box here. He's going to Seattle. Um in return, Winnipeg's going to get a 2024 first-round pick, defensive prospect Riker Evans, a what I would say a B-level forward prospect in Tucker Robertson, and then goalie Chris Dreger. This, for the purposes of this trade, Hellebuck will sign an extension with Seattle. So I think it's an interesting idea for for Seattle to load up there, but I don't know if value-wise, or at least asset management-wise, it makes sense for Seattle to do that, in that 
They already have a goalie that they're paying just under $6 million, who might be good enough, maybe not, but... But I, I think you, I think if you're Seattle, you need a subsequent move because it, you already have a one A, and bring in a true number one goalie who's going to play sixty games. I think, you, I think you would need another kind of move to settle to kind of at least better manage your assets. So you probably could get through this season no problem because Hellbuck's still just going to be on the books for a little over six million, and then you're. Spending, I still don't like spending almost 13, 12, 12 and a half to 13 on goalies, but, but it's manageable, but I, you can't have a long-term Hellbuck extension plus another $5.9 million cap hit on your books. That's just way too much on goalies in my opinion, but it would be a swing that we haven't seen Seattle take. I think it would be interesting if they maybe tried to take it for a different type of player. But them going into the trade market would be fun, interesting. So Winnipeg is not shipping out a defenseman, though, in your scenario. No, I, I don't have them doing that. Um, I think that's something that they'd be able to kind of sit with. And if they need to make a move as the season progresses they can but i don't think they would necessarily have to um just based off of these trades um the one thing that i would like to kind of give a rebuttal on is personally i don't think grubauer is a good goalie i would say when he's at his best he's a 1b and that doesn't happen very often um, he's got a no-move clause this year, or it might be a full no-trade clause. I'm not exactly sure, but it turns into a uh, modified uh, no-trade. So, like like you mentioned, they can probably weather the high-paid goalie payroll for one season. I would be doing everything I can to get rid of the Grubauer contract after this season. And I don't I wouldn't want to go the buyout route, but I would consider it, especially with a goalie like Joey Decord, um, who seems like he's gonna be a pretty capable, serviceable backup at a cheap cost. Um so yeah, I mean, I that's kind of where the Hellebuck idea popped into my head is I think they could do a lot better in goal. It is a little funky as far as cap management. It feels like a move that Vegas would 100% make or would have made. Seattle's MO so far hasn't been to do that. That doesn't mean that can't change. Um, but it, it 100%, like Vegas, if Vegas could have done a deal like that, they 100% would make that work. So I think it makes sense. I'm not sure value-wise from Winnipeg's perspective, I like, I I think, I mean, the longer this drags on, it's going to be harder to, to get a massive haul in return. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of an underwhelming return because I also have a Hellebuck trade. 
And so let's let's approach it from if you're Winnipeg, which one do you kind of go for? So I kind of have uh, two scenarios. This trade could be a smaller one or a bigger one. And I went a little bit more boring here with one of the teams that's been talked about with Hellbuck that probably really should be looking strongly at him. In this situation, Hellbuck does not necessarily sign an extension. We're going to assume just a one-year rental, and that's the Buffalo Sabres. Acquiring Hellbuck for Uko Pekalukunen, one of Noah Oslin, Isaac Rosen, one of kind of their not like elite, elite forward prospects, but kind of one of their just step below that. And then I also have a 2024 first-round pick that's going to be top 10 protected. That's what I have for Hellbuck. So if you're Winnipeg, um, which which deal do you like more? Okay, so, so it was Uko Pekalukan, um, one of Oslin or Roseanne. Or maybe there's another forward name in there as well, okay, but, but yes. That yeah. level and the first. Correct. Honestly, in my eyes, that's very close, and it, it might tip to Buffalo because of the forward prospect. I think that might be where Winnipeg would be looking to add as far as their pipeline. I think Riker Evans is probably of similar level, but on the defensive side. Um And it's possible that first round or yeah, that first round pick from Buffalo is a little bit better than what Seattle would be sending. So I, I think if both offers were on the table, I'd lean um, Buffalo. At this point, I don't think Uko Pekalukanen getting him back in the deal really matters too much. It's bringing in a I guess we can say an NHL goalie, but I don't think he's necessarily tipping the scale. Like, oh, Winnipeg's definitely interested. Um, Tucker Robertson, um, in the deal I have, he's kind of a forward prospect that I think is a little sneaky good, wasn't considered a top guy in his draft, but has performed very well. Uh, yeah, I, I think these deals are very close. It, I think it honestly comes down to does Winnipeg want a defensive prospect or a forward prospect. And considering you named one center in Noah Oslin, that could be the way they go. And, I mean, they could – so your, your kind of Boston deal where they get Swayman back could be very much made in tandem. So then, then they have Swayman, Uko Pekalukunen, and Brousseau to kind of figure out their – NHL net, and if Winnipeg wants to retool, okay, so Oslin or Isaac Rosine from Buffalo are not stepping into their lineup this year, but I also kind of expand, potentially expanded this deal, and it would be contingent on another trade that I had that makes sense. I also said maybe they send Dylan DeMello out, get Henry Yoki Haru, and maybe like a Victor Olsen with some money retained back to kind of just make that deal a little bit bigger.
but I also have Buffalo potentially addressing their right D in a different manner. But would would you as Winnipeg maybe be willing to you know move a Demello to get a little bit younger and pick up yet another uh, forward asset who can step into your lineup right now? Yeah. So if I'm um, if I'm Winnipeg, I think I'd probably consider doing that. Um, it, there's another forward in that deal to provide a little bit of scoring. Um, I think DeMello is definitely the better defenseman between him and Yoki Haru. That being said, I think Yoki Haru has a little bit more team control and is a bit more of a long-term, uh, at least as far as planning out your team for the future. He's more of a long-term option than DeMello, who's going to need a new deal as a UFA next year. Probably a little bit bigger as far as the AAV as well. So uh, I think that could be enticing. I will say at the same time, it's very possible teams don't love Victor Olofsson. And it's also possible Winnipeg could say, well, DeMello's better than Yoki Haru. We don't really want to do this. Well, I think if I'm them, it's it makes some sense. It could definitely be a deal that's accepted. I think it could be close enough where where maybe there's another like lower end prospect or pick thrown in to make someone feel a little bit better. Yeah. I, I'm not I'm not necessarily wasting our time saying oh a fifth round pick's going to be included in this or this or like the C level prospect. Okay, if if the teams really have to have that to make it work, fine. But I think. Yeah. Think the deals that we're we're talking about here, I want to put out the big pieces. Maybe put some level of options like a top tier prospect. Pick take your choice of this or this guy. But otherwise, it it's it's silly to I think haggle over these later round picks, the lower level prospects. Yet we always see teams do it. Like th- this deal that I kind of all these deals really that we've all kind of proposed that. I'll, I could see like some random fifth or seventh round pick being thrown in there for absolutely no reason, but whatever team thinks they need it to make the value work. But hey, what do, what do we know? We're just sitting here recording this podcast here. <laughs> but when it comes to like prospects and picks, teams are going to view those assets differently. Some teams might rather have that first round pick. Others might rather have a prospect that's a little bit closer to breaking into the league. They might have a preference for one guy over another. I mean, I can't sit here and pretend that we know what the teams are thinking. There might just be a preference. So like my Buffalo example, there might be a, a preference for Noah Ostlin because he's a he has the center ability, but you just never know if maybe they, they would have their eyes on someone else. Obviously, there's some players probably above them in the prospect pool that Buffalo is not necessarily giving up, but we don't know a hundred percent the thoughts on, on all these players. So I think this is kind of a ballpark for what we would be thinking. But if something, if a trade like this did happen and it was a different prospect or a pick in 2025 instead of 2024, like that, that's not for us to kind of judge. So my kind of alternative Buffalo trade that might exclude Dylan DeMello in the in the one where they get Hellebuck 
is getting into the Eric Carlson blockbuster deal. So Buffalo's been linked a lot to Connor Hellebuck and Brett Pesci. And so I have them acquiring both, solving their goaltending question mark, and also truly finding a partner for Owen Power. I know they added a couple right D, but I don't think that any of them are inspiring enough to prevent me from getting Brett Pesci. Because if I'm Buffalo, I have plenty of forward prospects. Let's use one to get a truly elite kind of, I mean, second pair defenseman in Pesci. So this deal, I have Eric Carlson going to Carolina at around an $8 million cap hit. And then I also have Victor Olsen going to Carolina with 50% of his salary being retained by Buffalo and then 50% also being retained by San Jose. So he's under $2 million cap hit for Carolina. So Buffalo is going to get Brett Pesci. And if I'm Buffalo in this deal, I'm insisting an extension is complete. I'm not, I'm not jumping into this without an extension. And then San Jose, again, is going to get their choice of those prospects. Noah Oslin, Isaac Rosine could be another. Probably not. We're not talking Savoy. We're not talking um, Zach Benson, their pick this year. We're not talking Yuri Kulik, who, was, who had an electric season in the AHL. Henry Okiharu is going to San Jose because San Jose is going to need a, a serviceable right defenseman. Buffalo has a surplus at this point. Martin Neckis is going to go as well to San Jose. He's coming from Carolina. Carolina is then giving up picks as well. They're first in 2024, and it would be conditional second, but it's going to end up being the Philadelphia uh, second round pick. I would say it would be the higher of the two, but if Philadelphia finishes ahead of Carolina, I will be absolutely shocked. So to recap, San Jose is getting one of the Sabres' four prospects, Noah Oslin, Isaac Rosine, Henry Okiharu from Buffalo, Martin Neckes from Carolina, a first-round pick and a second-round pick, both in 2024. They're giving up Carlson and retaining money on Olsen, while Buffalo gets Brett Pesci. That all makes sense, I think. I, I, I think it works for San Jose. I think it works for Carolina. And it definitely works for Buffalo. Um, I, yeah, I don't have even a whole lot to add to that because I, I think that's a fairly decent trade. I, I think it makes sense for all three teams. So Buffalo might end up shipping out both if they were able to get Hellebuck and Carlson if I'm if I'm playing GM. They might be shipping out both Oslin and Rosine, but I think that's perfectly fine with where their kind of forward depth in their organization is. Maybe and then they also would be down a 2024 first round pick in the Hellebuck trade, but they're a legitimate playoff contender with Hellebuck and Pesci on their back end. And they're really not doing much to harm their NHL roster. 
Carolina's a legitimate Stanley Cup contender with Carlson, and Olsen would probably be a nice player in their lineups had some scoring punch. He would give a little bit of a different look than what Carolina has on like their third line. And then I like the value for San Jose. They're not retaining a ton, about three million, three and a half. And then they're getting a couple younger players, a couple NHL young players, and then some picks as well. Let, let me butt in here a little bit because this was very, very, very similar in almost all aspects of it as one of the deals I had created. So this would be a three-team trade in a way, I guess it's kind of a normal two-team trade and then a player gets flipped. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to read it off that way. Um, so this involves San Jose and Carolina. We'll start with them. Eric Carlson goes to the Hurricanes. San Jose is going to retain $4 million to bring the cap hit down to 7 To San Jose from Carolina. Martin Neckes, Brett Pesci, Jack Drury, Carolina's first in 24, Carolina's second in 24. San Jose is then going to flip Brett Pesci at 50% retained. And just to be clear, this would then give San Jose three retained salaries this season between Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, and Brett Pesci. So they flip Pesci 50% retained. That's a cap hit that's just over $2 million to Edmonton for Cody Cece, who's a little over $3 million. So this helps out Edmonton add a much superior defenseman at a lower cost and then Edmonton's 2024 first-round pick. So just to sum this up, Carolina gets Carlson at $7.5 million. Edmonton gets Pesci ultimately at just about $2 million. And San Jose gets Martin Neckes, Jack Drury, a Carolina first, Carolina second, then Cody Cece, and Edmonton's first. Yeah, I, I like... The Carolina-San Jose swap a lot. I I was very close to including Jack Drury myself. Um, I think kind of, I, I don't know why I settled not to. Um, maybe maybe the fact that I went with the higher second round pick instead of Jack Drury. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense for Edmonton to flip Pesci to, or for Edmonton to acquire Pesci. I don't know if that's enough if I'm San Jose, though. I don't know if a first-round pick, while also kind of dumping a bad contract, is quite enough, especially considering that first-round pick's going to be probably 20s or later. I'm probably looking for a prospect as well or another pick. Probably, Probably a prospect, and I think that transitions fairly well into one of my trades with Edmonton where I have a similar idea. They're improving their team a little bit. I actually have them improving their forward group and they're giving up uh, uh, prospects in the process. 
So I have a lesser trade and one that gets a little bit bigger, just like I kind of had with Buffalo. I'm going to start with the lesser trade. I like Travis Konecki a lot for Edmonton. I think that he brings that middle six scoring option with some grit that Edmonton's kind of lacking. So I have them acquiring Travis Konecki from Philadelphia. Cody Cece goes back to try to make that salary work. And then they would give up either Xavier Borgo or Reed Schaefer, probably one of their top-end forward prospects not named Dylan Holloway. 2024 first and and a second in that same year. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Philadelphia would really push for Holloway. But I agree if I'm Edmonton, I think that's where the deal would fall apart. Um, I think he's a little too big of a prospect to include alongside a first rounder. I think I think that Edmonton first and one of those, I won't call him an A prospect, but a B plus is probably about right. Um, I, th- I think just really quickly here, a, a lot of fans will look at their forwards and say, well, this guy's amazing. He's got to be worth two first, three first, uh a-plus level prospect. Forwards aren't often getting traded for huge trade packages. Um, you, you look at uh, Pavel Buknevich going to St. Louis. That wasn't that great. Sam Reinhart, the deal ended up being pretty nice for Buffalo, a first-round pick, and Devin Levi. That's going to be really big for them, but at the time, that wasn't a large trade. So I, I think value-wise, that's that's about spot on. I might have forgot to mention, and I, I might have forgot to include in my notes here, I think I also had a little bit of money retained on Konecki just to give Edmonton enough space to sign Evan Bouchard. Um, but maybe the, the Bouchard deal gets kind of signed first and then Edmonton kind of figures out where they are at. But it wouldn't be a significant amount of money. just might be a little bit to kind of make the cap work a little bit better. So I think where the Dylan Holloway uh, discussion comes might or might come in a little bit more if, if Philadelphia and Edmonton are hooking up is my little bit bigger trade package where Edmonton gets Konecki still and they also get Carter Hart to be a 1A, 1B tandem with Stuart Skinner and they're sending away Jack Campbell, which makes complete sense. Cody Cece, Again, salary. So those two are really salary purposes. Probably, I still have that kind of uh, B plus level prospect because I have both their 2024 first and their 2025 first in this situation. But I think it's very possible Holloway comes in, and then Philadelphia could subsequently flip Jack Campbell. But I don't really have a good destination for him. So the, the only, I guess, holdup I would have if I'm Philadelphia is I also just traded for Cal Peterson. Um, Jack Campbell is probably the same situation, just 
a little bit amplified because the contract's a little bit bigger, a little longer. I don't know if Philly would want to be doing that again in another trade. I think there's an argument that why not? Don't let that ruin this trade. Get all the assets you can. Um, but just from a team-building perspective, I feel like we haven't seen that a ton where a team would be acquiring two bigger goalie contracts that aren't looked at favorably. Um, but like I said, I think if I, it was me, I would do it. I, I think Cal Peterson, I mean, the fact that he only has one year left at this point makes it – that that gave me pause as well. If if there was more than a year left, I probably am not going that route. But I mean, Campbell could be um like an option for Philly for a few years. There also could be a chance that another team might have some level of interest. I don't think if I'm Philly, I'm willing to retain salary for that long. But maybe he, maybe you put him in for a year and he rebounds a little bit and next offseason someone suddenly thinks that he's fine, especially with more cap space available and maybe them needing a goalie. So it, that, one's, that one's tough, and, but at the same point, Philly doesn't want to get stuck with an asset that they would then have to attach something to in the future. So Campbell for me was, was tough, but if... If Edmonton were to kind of acquire both Konecki and Hart, Campbell really has to go back to make the cap work if they're still going to give Bouchard kind of what he should be getting. Yeah, that's, that's I guess, where it's tough for me because if I'm a GM of any team and Edmonton wants me to take Jack Campbell, I need a pretty quality asset attached to him to take that contract now. Which, I mean, there's a lot coming back in that trade, but it's it's still something that gives me pause. Uh, something extremely random that's unrelated to trades that I'm looking at is Philly still has James Neal on their books at $1.9 for the next two years. Completely forgot about that. But anyways, continue with your trades. <laughs> so I have, uh, I have some more goalie action happening. Okay. So this one is, so I think there's one more team that people have kind of been speculating be in the goalie market, and I haven't, and we haven't kind of addressed them at all. I have the Devils making a trade here, and I have them acquiring John Gibson from Anaheim. This one's this one's tough because the kind of opinions on Gibson are mixed. I think he's there's a level of worth rolling the dice on because the Anaheim blue line, the kind of supporting cast that he's had, has not been good. Devils will have a lot more. The reason I also lean Gibson for the Devils opposed to that Hellbuck move is term at a cheaper price, which I think the Devils are going to start getting into a spot where if they were to acquire Hellbuck and extend them for $9-10 million, their cap's getting going to get pretty tight pretty quickly. I think John Gibson is a little bit better. It also kind of allows um, Ankara Schmid 
to continue to develop and maybe go from a 1B to a 1A in a year in another year or two. And that way you're you kind of have a path for him as well. So I have the Devils getting Gibson. Anaheim's going to get uh Vanacek back. Kind of uh it makes sense Anaheim needs would need an NHL goalie. New Jersey wouldn't really have a spot for him. And then just two lesser picks, 2024 third round pick, 2025 second round pick. I don't think there's a t- a massive trade market available for Gibson. And I think Anaheim does about as well as they can here. Yeah, I think value-wise for him, that that would make a lot of sense. I don't really see a team stepping up with a first-round pick at this point. Um, so, yeah, kind of the, the second-tier um, draft picks, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I definitely agree with uh, your take on the Hellebuck or Gibson for New Jersey. Um one name to toss out there, Dawson Mercer is going to need a new deal. And if even if he stays the same as what he was this past season, it's going to be a big deal. Um, other guys are going to be coming up. Uh, Luke Hughes will need a deal in a couple of years. Um, Alexander Holtz is on the rise coming through the system. They don't have a lot of money freeing up necessarily uh, to fully, I guess. But a lot of their big-name players are signed long-term. So when you're looking for space down the road, like you said, it might make a bit more sense to acquire Gibson. doesn't cost as much AAV-wise. Term's not as long as what you would get with a Hellebuck extension. So, yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you there. I, I like this trade. Yeah, and I mean, the Devils, I think it's important to say they don't necessarily have a bad contract. It's just when you have good players, you have to pay them like such. So they're in a perfectly great spot, but I think if they were to do a Hellebuck, that's when you start to get maybe a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little bit like the Florida Panthers situation where they have Bobrovsky, who's not, not. I mean, this this playoffs, he was good, really, really good. But he hasn't been quite that ten point five million dollar player, and it's and it's cost them it's cost them otherwhere on their roster, and I think the Devils would be wise to not get themselves into that same situation. I mean, that's not to say that Hellbuck won't be good for however much longer, but rolling kind of locking yourself into a goalie that's going to be on the wrong side of thirty very shortly. Um, I I don't like that when they have a lot when they've done a lot of other nice things with their assets, their young pieces and everything. Yeah, I think uh, Andre Palat is the one contract that I kind of look at just because he's he's 32 now. He's got four years left at six million. I think that's manageable right now. If they were to go all out for Hellebuck let's say two years from now, I think there's a lot of pressure. Okay, we might need to try to figure out how to move this Palat deal. Um, Which isn't necessarily a reason to not do a deal when we're forecasting something two years down the road possibly being an issue. But um, ultimately, New Jersey's in a pretty good spot as far as salary cap management. They're 
going to be up pretty tight, but most of their deals all make a lot of sense. Um, and the, yeah, this trade kind of fits in with that smart cap management. And, I, and another reason I think Gibson over um, Hellbuck for them is so it allows them to keep like a Holtz. I don't know if I see a scenario where they don't give up a prime forward or even defensive prospect at this point to get Hellbuck. So they keep the good, ch- younger, cheaper players while also getting hopefully an upgrading goal. I would imagine that I would hope that John Gibson would have a level of bounce back. I, I think I would be willing to bet on it, especially if you can get him for the price that I kind of have have him for right now. So I have one more deal. Hold on to your hats, everyone. I think this is a deal that's not going to happen, but I really <laughs> think it should happen. It makes a lot of sense for both teams, but I think it's a deal that's not going to happen because both teams aren't kind of with their it's it doesn't fit the, where they perceive themselves. So Detroit just acquired Alex DeBrinket. They needed a top line winger. I have them getting another top top six winger here because I'm looking at their roster and I don't think they have enough kind of offensive scoring punch. I, I'm still not necessarily afraid of I mean, Lark and DeBrinket coming at me might be a little bit scary, but looking at their forwards, there's still not many guys that are instilling fear in me. And dipping into the free agent market to getting and getting JT Comfer, they now have Larkin, Comfer, Cop. They just drafted Danielson this offseason. So they, they have a lot of centers, and a lot of them are very similar styles. So the trade I have here basically changes up Detroit's forward outlook. I have them acquiring Nikolai Ehlers from Winnipeg. And I have them sending, I probably hinted at it a little bit, Marco Casper, just a year removed from being their first round pick. Robbie Fabry, who is bouncing back from a knee surgery. It's a little bit of a salary move, but it also gives Winnipeg, if healthy, a fairly serviceable winger. And then a 2024 first-round pick that's going to have a level of conditions attached to it. Um, it also is going to be in the Debrinket trade also impacts the conditions as well. It would not be like a top 10 pick, though. So I think you know that I agree with this trade for both teams. Detroit needs the scoring. Winnipeg should, in my opinion, be getting value for their players that are probably going to want to leave in the next couple of years. Um, Ehlers is a very underrated winger. I think there's sometimes questions about him staying healthy, but when he's on the ice, he is one of the best wingers in hockey, and it's just kind of hidden a bit in Winnipeg. I like the return a lot for Winnipeg. I think Casper is probably the first ask if the teams were to talk. Um, and having that first in there does definitely matter. Um, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. This deal makes a lot of sense. Both teams should do it, but both teams are not going to do it. Detroit probably at this point says, okay, we made our top six additions in Confer and Brinkett. They need more, but they probably aren't 
thinking that themselves, or even if they do, they're not going to do it this offseason. And Winnipeg wants to retool. And I guess good luck to them picking 20th next year in the draft. They're not going to win anything anytime soon, I don't think, unless they keep Hellebuck and he just leads them to a cup himself. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's a trade that will ever happen, but it's a trade that should definitely happen. Okay, so I have one more, and this one is I question myself with the value. I'm not sure that I that it can even be if we can even arrive at the value, but situation might force this a little bit. So I have Pittsburgh Penguins really pushing their chips to the center of the table and making a trade with the Calgary Flames. So there's there's multiple players in Calgary that have that seem to be on their way out the door. So I think Calgary loses a level of leverage. Maybe there's better deals out there, but I'm sending both Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin to Pittsburgh. So Calgary is going to acquire Mikhail Granlund. It's a cap dump. Marcus Pedersen. Again, Calgary might be trying to do a level of retool. They really should tear it down. But if they want to try and retool, Pedersen's a very good, serviceable second pair defenseman. P.O. Joseph, two first-round picks in 2024 and 2025. And I also would imagine probably one of Pittsburgh's prospects, probably Owen Pickering is is the name, is probably going to Calgary as well. Again, there could be a player that Calgary favors over another. I'm not sure that uh, that Pittsburgh's necessarily going to be giving up um, Jaeger, who they just took this year in the draft, but maybe is that could be a name as well. Okay, this is interesting. Let me ask, did you think about or... Do you foresee any extensions happening with Lindholm or Hannafin? Or is this just an initial, we need to win a cup while Crosby and Malkin are still going? I'm If I'm Pittsburgh, I'm, maybe I'm a little hesitant to include another prospect without an extension done. But I think if I can get Lindholm and Hannafin giving, dumping Grandland, getting, uh, and giving up only Pedersen, P.O. Joseph, and two firsts, I'm okay with them being rentals and maybe trying to bring one back after the season, but I don't necessarily need an extension done if I can kind of keep other prospects out of the deal. Okay, the the main reason I had asked that was Jake Gensel will also need an extension. So, I mean, that's a big factor into if they're going to acquire people whether or not they can keep them long-term. I'm a little hesitant. If I kind of piece this deal out, and let's look at the defensemen, mainly Hannafin and Patterson. I think I'd rather have Hannafin, but I don't know how badly I'd rather have Hannafin. I think it's an improvement. And he 
probably is instantly your a top pair defenseman on the team. I think he'd be above Ryan Graves. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I was just going to say, I don't know if I would give up all that value, but if I'm Pittsburgh, I've that's what I've been doing for the past decade. I've got two absolute stars who are only getting older. Maybe this would make sense. This is one I would probably go back and forth for days of whether I like it or not. Um, I also wouldn't discount the salary dump of Mikel Granlin that five million dollars as well. Like that's yes. that's not coming for free. So that is true. Yeah, you know, I I guess I would say I'd do it uh, if you're Pittsburgh. You you need to try and win even one more year going by. That, that could kind of be the signal of this is it. The window's closed. We, we, Crosby still plays like Sidney Crosby. He could for five more years. He could also not look too good next season for all we know. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Malkin, I think, is more of a question, just injury-wise. I, I kind of like the push all the chips to the middle of the table. One thing where I guess it gives me a little bit of a pause is does Kyle Dubas do this? I don't know why Pittsburgh doesn't do this, to be completely honest. Um, I question if this is enough for Calgary. Um, I don't really know how much better, because again, Lindholm, yes, he's an elite forward, but we already went through like, Elite forwards sometimes don't fetch as much as you think. Hannafin has seems to me has made it very clear that he is not resigning. So I think teams know there's not a lot of leverage there. So could Calgary make two separate deals and do a little bit better? Maybe, but it but it might be getting two 2024 first instead of one each year. I don't know. Um, but I think Pittsburgh absolutely should do this because Lindholm provides flexibility in their lineup to play second-line center, third-line center, maybe even wing, or then that would potentially allow Malkin to play on the wing some, pushes Jeff Carter to the wing. And I think if Pittsburgh was to look to extend one of them, they'd probably try and do it with Lindholm. He would make a lot of sense kind of as their third-center long-term Jeff Carter comes off the book. Yes, Jake Getzel needs that extension, but maybe you can make Lindholm work. Maybe he takes a little less to play with Crosby Malkin. And as you said, with the Malkin injuries, having a reliable second line center to me is almost a necessity. And it could even provide you an opportunity to give both of your center, like Crosby and Malkin, breaks or rest throughout the season. I'm not sure that they would necessarily agree to do that. But if you're smart and trying to manage their minutes a little bit, you could scratch them for a game, slide Lindholm up in your lineup, and probably be perfectly fine as well. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm with you. Run, run through what Calgary is getting one more time for me. So Calgary is getting Mikel Granlund, who's, Negative you know, value, but, yeah. 
Marcus Pedersen. Okay. P.O. Joseph. First in 2024 and 2025. And potentially, I'm, and I think where, I, where I'm not sure if it's included or not included and probably where the haggle comes is whether another prospect's included in that. I think there would need to be. Um, so so let's say you know, these aren't necessarily perfect um, comparisons as far as value, but um, Lindholm and so Sam Reinhart fetches a first and a top goalie prospect. He was an RFA younger. Lindholm's, I think, more the definite center. A little bit older, but still a year left. I think it'd be fair to say Calgary would kind of be looking for a first plus something, at least initially. And then Hannafin, who's still... How old is Hannafin? He's 26 with a year left. Going to be a UFA... When I'm thinking of borderline elite defensemen or elite defensemen, someone who was, I'm going to say better than this trade value that they ended up getting for him, but Devin Taves went for two seconds. Which makes me think, all right, if I'm trying to trade Hannafin, I'm probably wanting a first. So I think you're about there. With the picks, Pedersen going back, I think, helps even it out a bit more, for sure, because I, I think he's really a very solid second-pair guy. I, I think kind of where the wild card value-wise comes in is that Granlin cap dump, and that might be where it's like, okay, we definitely need that next piece. And I, I think just looking at Pittsburgh's lineup and – uh, their depth chart. If I'm Calgary, it is um, it is Owen Pickering. I think that I'm targeting. There, there's there's some others, but I, I think that's the prospect I'd go for, and that I think would make the deal a lot more even. So I'll break it down this way real quickly. So Hannafin for Pedersen, P.O. Joseph. Maybe we add another pick, a little bit of a later pick in there. And I don't think that that's super far off value-wise. So then that leaves Lindholm for two firsts. But again, as you said, the wild card is is the Grambling contract dump. And I'm not sure that two firsts for Lindholm buys basically the Grambling contract dump. Yeah, the, the other thing I'll say, and I'm I'm trying to get a little bit better of a grasp right now. P.O. Joseph. Oh, you know what? He he was decent. Going into this, I, I was gonna say I I was not fully up to speed necessarily on how things were going for him in recent years. Um, Kind of looks like there's some offensive ability and he's somewhat average defensively. That That's fine for a 24-year-old defenseman. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I think I like the original deal. I think Calgary would come back and say we need one more prospect thrown in. If you're Pittsburgh, do you let the deal fall apart over Owen Pickering, let's say? Absolutely not. Okay. If I if I'm Pittsburgh and I can get Lindholm and Hannafin with really not giving up anything that's hurting my current lineup, I I'm st- I'm still making that happen. Um, Pickering's not not a deal breaker by any means. I mean, I don't think there's anyone not on the NHL roster that makes it a deal breaker. I mean, and then even I think there could even be an argument made that maybe someone on the NHL roster could be included in this trade for Calgary. I just don't see a name that hits that would make sense from Pittsburgh's standpoint and Calgary's standpoint from their NHL roster. So let's do a quick recap. If we were GMs, what would happen? So Toronto would have their cap space. Chicago would have Matt Murray and have moved and have basically moved up from the second to the first round. So I think that's good fair work for both of those teams. Winnipeg would be completely retooled. Connor Hellbuck's no longer there. Uh, they either have the prospects from Seattle or prospects from Buffalo. They're choosing between Jeremy Swayman for or Pavel Zaka from Boston. And maybe, you know, these, these deals kind of impact a little bit of each other. But we're looking at a kind of a Winnipeg roster. Let's say Swayman in net with Uko Pekalukinen and Brousseau as kind of the backups. And then they have added Matt Grizzlick on the back end, Henry Yoki Haru on the back end, given up Dylan DeMello. And then we're going to give them Isaac Rosine in this deal. I know they might prefer Oslin, but we're going to give them Rosine and Victor Olsen maybe with some money retained. And then so and then they're also going to have Marco Casper as a prospect, Robbie Fabry, and they're going to acquire two 2024 first round picks and they'll also cost them Nikolai Ehlers. So Shifley out, Ehlers out, Hellebuck and DeMello out in for Winnipeg, two first round picks next year. Jeremy Swayman, Matt Grizzlick, Henry Okiharu, Isaac Rosine, Uko Pekalukinen, Victor Olsen, and I believe that that Marco Casper, Robbie Fabry. Yep, and uh, really quick, that Swayman Grizzlick deal that I had there, it was also had Niederreiter being sent out with Shifley. So Niederreiter also out with Shifley. So Winnipeg uh, would look a whole lot different if we're if we get the GM reins for just a day. We only need a day to make these trades happen. Trust us, we'll get them done. <laughs> but Winni- Winnipeg would look a lot different. They're probably taking an immediate step back, but there still would be probably competitive enough in the short term, and I would like their long term output outlook a lot, lot better 
They would have a lot more cost-controlled young assets. And I think that's, and I think we both agree, that's what they need to have happen. Yeah, I think uh, in that scenario, I, I would really like to see them go further. And there's other names on that roster currently that if they were to start acquiring guys like Swayman and um, prospects like Casper and those first-round picks, um, even getting Grizzlick from Boston, that's kind of a guy who I'd say in that scenario, if I'm running the team, all right, maybe we flip him. Um, I think I would take it a step further and just say anyone that's a year or so from free agency, maybe two years, we kind of put them on the market, see what we can get for them. But it does put the team in a much better spot long term. So Winnipeg is completely retooled. Well, maybe they still have DeMello, depending on kind of how Buffalo's pieces line up. Maybe they don't have Yoki Haru, you still have DeMello. Uh, because if Buffalo goes ahead and grabs Brett Pashi. Um, we have them maybe with Hellbuck, Pesci, sending out Yoki Haru, Olofsson. I didn't really bring him up. Maybe Jacob Bryson goes out, but I don't think that that's a, a piece that's making or breaking any deal. And then they're giving up prospects and picks. So really, Buffalo's adding Pesci, Hellbuck to their current roster, subtracting Olofsson. And I guess Uko Pekalukinen, if you if you think that he's a kind of important roster player, so I like their chances a lot better. San Jose gets good, good younger pieces. They ship out Eric Carlson. We have them bringing in some combination of Martin Neckes, Jack Drury, some picks, maybe one of the prospects from Buffalo or from Edmonton, depending on kind of where Pesci ends up. Carolina ends up with Carlson, maybe Victor Olsen. Edmonton or Buffalo ends up with Brett Pesci. We have Pittsburgh making that blockbuster, getting Lindholm and Hannafin, pushing all their chips in. New Jersey gets their goalie and John Gibson. Detroit gets Nikolai Ehlers. And then Edmonton shakes up either their forward group or defensive core, depending on kind of where they feel their need is, by either getting Brett Pesci or Travis Konecki. We probably can't make that Jack Campbell for Carter Hart trade work, so it's probably giving up Konecki or getting Konecki, giving up CC, probably a B-plus prospect and some picks, or replace basically Konecki's name with Brett Pesci. And that's, and that's what it's looking like. So, depending on where Edmonton sees their need, if I'm Edmonton, I personally lean towards acquiring another forward. I kind of like the work they've done on defense at this point, but um, I don't know if you, if you would go defense or forward. I think I would lean towards defense. Um, mostly, I, I think it's important because of their goaltending situation to really shore up defensively. And I, I think offensively, even though the depth isn't quite there, um, really two players run that team. And I, I think if everything was a little bit stronger in the defensive zone around the goalie, they'd make it a little further in the playoffs. 
I, I think that's definitely fair. What it probably really comes down to, as much as Edmonton might have a preference, it might come down to who they can maybe get a long-term extension worked out with or kind of see who fits in their books best or if one team is pushing for a prospect they don't really want to part with over another. That could be the deciding factor because I think they could talk themselves and justify going either way. Yeah, and the other thing I will say in, in favor of the Connect Me deal is he has traditionally been a fairly strong defensive forward as well. I mean, he's very good offensively, but he's not going to hurt you defensively. And I think that's really important for kind of what Edmonton really needs. They don't necessarily need the top goal scorer. They have guys that can score goals. It's when they get back into the defensive zone, they're not that good. And I, I think Konechny uh, is a name that goes into the top six right away, but it's also providing something that they don't really have. Um, and then that's really important. So I, I don't think it's as easy as going going and saying, all right, well, Buffalo has Victor Olofsson available. Let's go get him. I don't think that's the type of player Edmonton would go for. They kind of need that better all-around guy up front. So I, I think if they had either him, Konechny, or Pesci on the table, it, it would probably be a tough choice and up to personal preference of Ken Holland there. So for GMs just for a day, we're going to make things happen in the NHL. Things have not really moved, but uh, we like to see some action. And, I mean, we would be bold, but I, I really think a lot of the deals that we talked about in this episode make sense for all the teams involved. It, it puts the teams on probably the timelines that they need to be on. And I think the reason you won't see, I'm not going to say none of these deals happen, but chances are very few of these actually come to fruition is because we perceive the teams from an outsider standpoint probably a little more realistically than the people working in those organizations. So Winnipeg's the best example. They seem like they just want to retool and continue to be pushing for an ace seed in the playoffs. We're doing the opposite. We're kind of tearing them down in a in a manner that will put them back for a couple of years, but put them forward long term. But uh, if you have any thoughts, any uh, interesting ideas, want to want to kind of jump in on our conversation, feel free to uh, tweet us at MaxTermPod at AFP Analytics. If you have some ideas you want us to maybe talk about next time, same thing, let us know. But this was this was definitely a fun episode for us to do. Hopefully you enjoy uh, listening to this and uh, we'll talk to you next time.